All right, welcome into the first edition of the Undraftables podcast. I'm Kate Carlton, joined alongside Caleb Livingston. Glad you're with us. As we'll go through a little bit of introductions before we get into uh, things here. So uh, I am the play-by-play voice of Nettleton High School uh, for football and girls and boys basketball. Also produce a show on uh, 95.3 The Ticket, a sports talk show in the afternoons. And um, Coach Livingston, I'll let you introduce yourself a little bit too. Uh, I'm an assistant girls coach here at Nettleton High School. Uh, coach, try to coach a little summer basketball. Uh, big sports fanatic. Um, that's how I'm, I met Cade through him being our play-by-play guy, and we we all debate sports, and we decided, hey, not that anybody's going to listen, but we'll try to put our thoughts out there and and see uh, just have a little fun with it. So looking forward to this and seeing this grow. And hopefully, uh, once we kind of get equipment situation and stuff like that figured out, going to have some uh, phone calls from different people, you know, kind of throughout uh, the country, throughout the state, coaches and whatnot. So hopefully uh, it can grow into uh, something good. But uh, we we're going to start off, um, you know, obviously uh, it's kind of been a whirlwind of the last three, four months uh, since mid-March when, you know, COVID hit the United States and kind of forced the country and the sports world into a shutdown. But, um, you know, we kind of we kind of gotten to a point, uh, at least in the state of Arkansas and some other states where we're reopening stuff. And, you know, um, I know you guys uh, last week kind of started to get back into the fold and having athletes work out because we've been in this dead period, you know, for two or three months now just – um, obviously it's different than what you're normally used to doing. Just what's it been like to kind of get back into the flow and, you know, take those precautions to avoid uh, the coronavirus? You know, it's been really good. Um, our kids um, have been excited about being back. You know, we haven't seen a lot of them. Um, you know, with doing some of the state championship stuff, we got to see them every once in a while. But it was just for a quick picture and gone or, or something like that. And – so it's been nice to really be around them, uh, interact with them, even though we, we still can't give a high five, um, you know, but um, it's just been good. I, I know, you know, talking to the other coaches here at school and then talking to other coaching friends, that it's just it's just good to get back to, I guess, somewhat normalcy with a practice and, yeah. and summer and, and working on things. And, and, and I think it's good for our mental health too, you know, especially you know, these younger kids are used to go, go, go. And, you know, here for 12 weeks, it, they've found ways to do stuff, but it not been at the pace. And so it was getting time, you know, and um, so it's been really good. We've been pleased with our, with the work that the, the girls have put in. You could tell that they, you know, most of them did stuff during the, the 12 weeks off and um, which has made it easier for us to kind of, you know, go at a, a little bit quicker pace because we're not as tired. And so so it's been good. We've, we've been really pleased with what's going on. You know, and I know um, – and we'll get into some other things too, but I know, you know, for you guys, uh, it, it kind of affected you more than it's affected other people. Um, obviously, it affected baseball maybe the worst just because, you know, at the high school level they might have got 10 games in and now it's, you know, scrapped. And same thing with college baseball. You know, they might have got 20 games in and now it's scrapped. Um but for you guys with the coronavirus, um, you know, it's it comes out on a Thursday afternoon that the state finals and the state of Arkansas are canceled. You're getting ready to play on a Saturday. Uh, or at, at the time it was postponed and eventually got canceled. But you're getting ready to play on a Saturday. And so just, um, you know, in these unique circumstances, these unique times, just what has it kind of been like, uh, 
you know, and going going through this as a coach and, you know, trying to keep the girls' heads up and, you know, just trying to celebrate it like it is a state championship even though you didn't play the game? You know, it, it's been really weird because there for, I guess, about four weeks that we – we figured that the game wasn't going to be played, but there still was – it was still postponed. And that news came out. And so, there for four weeks, we're telling our girls, hey, make sure you're working out because, you know, if we play this, we're going to have a week or two maybe to practice, and, and we need to be ready for that. And then you, you, you're you named a state champion, which is, you know, an awesome feeling, first time in, in school history that, you know, the, the girls' programs won a state championship. And, and so, for two weeks, you're kind of – finding ways to celebrate that without being able to be together yeah. and celebrate it. Um, and then after that, you know, you're, you're still trying to be positive about it, but it's kind of like it's the lusters wore off a little bit because life moves on. And uh, we still really have not had a true celebration of a state championship. At, um, and I don't know that we will get to, you know, because we've got seniors that are going to go off to college here pretty soon to go start their workouts and, um, and really just people have kind of moved on. And so it, it's it, it hasn't been too bad, but um, I think everybody's just kind of ready to, all right, what's next, you know, and, and try to get back to work uh, defending our title and and uh, figuring out the pieces it's going to take to do that. Uh, obviously, you guys, uh, you know, working toward hopefully starting the season next year on time, and hopefully that's going to be the case in the state of Arkansas and, you know, throughout the country. But um, – you know, from a national standpoint, it just – at least at our lifetime, we've never seen it to where, you know, all four major sports leagues are just – boom, they're just out, you know. And so, uh, March 15th, 13th, 14th, whatever it was, you know, the NBA goes out, college basketball, college baseball, MLB, you know, all these other sports follow suit. Now we're starting to get back into the restart of things. Um, you know, I'm just interested, too, in, in um, the NBA's restart because, um, you know – when all this went down, if you would have made me pick which league would come back first, I would have chosen the MLB. I wouldn't have chosen the NBA. But I think actually think they have a pretty good game plan. I'm not the biggest fan of them not starting until late July because I think they could push that up. But of all the four major sports leagues, or all the three major sports leagues that are trying to come back, I mean, I think they have the best plan so far. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm with you. I think they could start earlier. Um, and some of that selfishly, I want to, I want, I'm ready for yeah. some – some basketball to come back, you know, but, um, you know, I think that's just credit to Adam Silver, who's the most progressive commissioner of the major sports out there. And, you know, I heard somebody on SportsCenter say last week that they still don't know if that's a good thing because the other major sports commissioners are not very progressive at all. But, um, you know, it's – I think that they have strong leadership among their players – um, the players were pretty adamant, especially your superstars, um, about coming back and trying to finish this season, you know. And um, you love or hate LeBron, you know, he's when he speaks, people listen, and, and he kind of come out and said they want to play. And, you know, he, he had his circle kind of follow him, and that's that's kind of your temperature gauge of the NBA. So, And I think it's going to be interesting, too, just um – you know, and I was talking to someone the other day, and I think what it's going to look like a lot is summer league because, I mean, you're playing in Orlando. You're going to play at the wide world of sports. Um, you know, I haven't heard if they're going to play 
you know, maybe move the finals and conference finals to the Amway Center if it's just going to be, you know, at the Wide World of Sports. But, I mean, that's a 1,000, 2,000-seat complex. That's pretty much what you have for Summer League. Um, and Yes, you have people at Summer League, but it's still very empty at Summer League. And so, it's – I'm almost afraid that the playoffs are going to feel like a summer league game, which, you know, would just kind of suck, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, really good point. I was watching some highlights on uh, the other day, and the uh, the Joel Embiid dunk where he went down and did the airplane and you in Philadelphia, and you could see just how fired up he was and the crowd mm-hmm. was. And we're, that's going to be missing, you know, that if – if we're going to sit here and say that momentum and, and crowds don't play a part of playoff basketball, we're lying to ourselves. It does. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how how it all plays out. You know, I, I think maybe you'll get more of a true champion because you're you're going to be on a neutral court with no fans and it's going to be who's the best players, who can make the most adjustments from game to game. And I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It's It's – I'm not ready to say we need to put an asterisk beside the champion because at the end of the day, you had most of your season. You're going to come back and you're going to be in the same situation as everybody. Nobody is on an unfair playing field right now, but um, still going to be different. We're going to remember this for the rest of our lives, that's for sure. Yeah, and you said that asterisk, and I don't necessarily think you put an asterisk. I think it's might actually be more of an accomplishment to you know stop the season March 13th, 14th, whatever it was. Uh, be off for four months, then come back, play eight regular season games, and have the playoffs done in about a you know two or three month span. Because they're going to be playing a lot of basketball in a short amount of time to try and get this in, you know, to where they can have a season that starts in December or January of next year. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how. You know, I don't think there's going to be any load management. Yeah, you know, no doubt. You, you can't. You, you've got to use those eight playoff games to work the rust off. And, and come playoff time, you're not going to take a break. And, uh, you know, we're going to see – it's going to be a fun time for us high school and college basketball coaches to, to see those pro coaches work, you know, and see if we can take anything from them. And um, it's just going to be really fun uh, to see how this plays out because it – you know, we don't know the lasting effects that it might have, you know, and it's going to push back next season already, you know, yeah. and, and will that be something that changes for, you know, forever, you know. Um, I, I can see that – I could see it happening. The season – I mean, the season started pretty early and it's very long, you know, and why not have a shortened season and where, where we don't have the discussion of load management, you know, and uh, – so it, it's going to be fun to to see how this all plays out and, and what effects it has in the future. I know as as a high school coach, because you know we um, every year we have the we two tournaments at least. Um, you know where you're playing three games in three days. Um, you know did it in Rogers this year at the Grade Eight. Did it in Paragould this year, uh, and then you had the state tournament week where you play a back to back and you play three games in what five days, six days, whatever it was. And so that's where the NBA is going to get in. And, I mean, they aren't really used to playing those back-to-back-to-back games. So as a high school coach, how enjoyable is it going to be to see, you know, some of the best athletes in the world kind of on the same schedule that you guys are on at times? Yeah, it's going to be really neat. And, uh, you know, you hope that – you kind of hope somebody complains about it. Then, you know, we can come out and say, well, our high school kids are tougher. No, but, (laughs) um, you know, and and they're going to go through the same thing – when you're playing three games in a row, um, 
when you get to that third game, you as a coach, you try to make everything as simple as possible that day. Yeah. You know, you're you're not going to prepare in, as in depth. You're just going to go over basic general stuff and try. To, and that's where in game adjustments and uh, still as a coach, you're going to prepare. You're just not going to give the information to your kids. And that's where your in-game adjustments are going to have a huge impact. Um, and they already do at the NBA level, you know, because of the the such technology that they have, yeah. at, you know, at their disposal. But um, it, it's it's going to be I, – I, I wish I could be a fly on the wall and, and, and see, you know, be there down there and see it and for myself and to be able to learn. But, but hopefully, you know – some of these NBA coaches will be willing to share some of the things that they did, you know, to help help us coaches that don't have that privilege, you know, and, and see if anything we can take from that and to implement in our own programs. You know, there's been talk, um, what's today, uh, June 11th. So June 10th, June 11th, there's been talk uh, that the NBA would throw out, you know, a, a rule or whatever where if a player didn't want to show back up, they would take a salary hit, but it wouldn't affect them next year. Um, and there really would be no penalty for that other than a salary hit. Um, obviously, you know, we have a lot of stuff going on with the coronavirus and whatnot, but um, as a coach, as a basketball fan, if Kawhi Leonard or Giannis or one of the superstars said, hey, I'm not showing back up, uh, what does that do to your opinion of them? Great question. Um, you know, I deep down it doesn't matter if you say that it doesn't change your opinion of them if if you're a true fan of the game um it will to some extent you know uh, you understand it you know it doesn't matter your personal opinion on it it's not you know some other people are getting information that's different than you that yeah. they're they're taking it way more serious or way or not as serious you know and uh it, it, I don't. I, th I don't think you have a choice, but to it's their, their your opinion of them is going to change some, you know. But um, listening to some people talk and reading some information, it looks like the the contenders in the league are pretty much all their kids are, are all their kids, all their players are said of coming back, you know, because it's amazing how when you have a chance to one win a championship or two make a lot of money, how kind of this other stuff around, yeah. you, you don't really pay attention to it. But then, you know, I can totally see somebody on a team that's looks like they're not going to get in. Maybe the, one of their players like, ah, no, I'm not coming back. I'm, I'm scared I'm going to get it or something, you know. And you understand it, to, you know, at that point you wonder if it is a cop-out, you know. But, um, you know, you get it, you know. But I think you're, you're our better teams, teams that really believe they have a chance to win it, I think you're going to see yep. all their players there, and, and and I think you'll end up seeing some pretty good basketball when it's all said and done. You know, we um, I guess we talked about doing this four or five weeks ago. I don't know. Uh, time all runs together at this point, but we talked about doing this in the middle of the last dance, and obviously that's been off the air for you know a little bit now. But uh, now we've gotten to see all ten episodes. We've gotten to go back, um, and for someone like me, I mean. I remember watching Michael Jordan's last game as a wizard. I never remember watching him on the Bulls. And, like, obviously I've gone back and, you know, watched Hardwood Classics, YouTube, whatever. But, uh, you know, I thought uh, – obviously Jordan had his hand in on the production. So, obviously a little bit of it is, is skewed. Um, 
but I, I know you loved it. I really loved it as someone that, uh, you know, never got to watch him. As someone who got to watch him, what was it like to kind of go back and relive that and, uh, you know, kind of see those moments again? You know, it was really awesome uh, to see the guy that you, that not just like me, but everybody emulated growing up. Like yeah. In one way or another, if you're in, in my age range, which is – I'm I'm 34, so probably like 32 to 40 year olds grew up during that time. Yeah. You you emulated his game. Um, you did the you stuck your tongue out, or you did the, the what the what's now the Jordan emblem. You tried that dunk on your eight foot goal or nine foot goal or whatever, and um, you wanted 23. You 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 wanted the Jays. You know you you waited for him, um, and. It was really neat to see a lot of the behind the scenes uh, stuff that they got. Um, you know, you like you even knew how how tough Jordan was on his own teammates. Like that yeah. that was out there at the time, um, but it, it wasn't out there so much to where I don't know if he has the same effect on the game today with all the social media that that he had during the, the late 80s, 90s, into the early 2000s because I just don't know if our society takes that, you know, and and puts that on a pedestal. Because if you if you go back and look at it, um, Kobe Bryant is was the replica of Michael. And early in, my, in Kobe's career, he was not – you either loved him or hated him. And, right. and it was really – you hate most people hated him. If you weren't a Lakers fan, you hated Kobe. Because he acted like Mike, one, you were like, oh, you can't be as good as Mike, but it scared the Michael Jordan fans because he was really close, you know, yeah. and and we didn't want to admit that, but also just wasn't well perceived. You know, I remember Dwight Howard getting traded to the Lakers, and he ran Dwight Howard off in a year because Dwight just was soft, you know, and Kobe was not putting up with it, you know, and, and so um, – it, it was really cool to see all that stuff. It was cool for us, Arkansans, to see Scotty Pippen. Um, I think at times they portrayed Scotty as like a not a very good dude, um, which he was not a fan of. It's no. come out since. And and what sucks is he he he's no different than anybody else in that spot. But yeah. there was just a camera there, you know. And um, you know, and I get like he he played second fiddle, and that to a player of that caliber you know that that war on him even though he did a great job of masking it you know at the end of the day he yes he he signed that contract but man he's making 2.3 million and he's a top five player in the nba at the time like that's that's something in your mind you're not going to get over and and he they portrayed him as kind of selfish and it was like man is he you know like today you, you know what what's happening today is i mean imagine somebody like the Greek freak or Kawhi only making $3 million a year. What are they going to do? They're going to hold out. You know, they're not going to play either, you know, and, and people are going to be like, Oh, I get it. They're underpaid, you know? So, I mean, we got football guys that sit out half year, full year, you know, if they don't get paid. And, um, I don't, you know, that, that kind of stunk being Scotty was from Arkansas, but, uh, and he got portrayed that way. But, uh, it was just neat to see the start of load management with Dennis yeah. Rodman, you know, um, 
just some of the things that you saw. I mean, when he hopped on the motorcycle to go to Vegas, he's he just he downed a beer, you know. And <laughs> and there's cops right there, and and nobody nobody said, said anything, anything yeah. you know. And where if that was today, that'd be all over social media, and people would be going crazy over that. He and, would be canceled. Yes, and and so it, it just it was good for you know NBA fans like yourself, Cade, that didn't get to grow up in that era um, to kind of see into it a little bit, you know, and. Um, and then the, and it was perfect timing with the country going through what we're yeah. going through the quarantine at the time. It, it's it sparked the debate of which era is better, who's be, who's the best of all time, and you know it, it just was really good for like even non basketball fans tuned in because it, it was it was greatness. You know it was um is michael chain was the most famous person in the world at the time he probably had more power than anybody in the world if we were being honest about it and um so it was uh it was really good it was really refreshing they they could have played all 10 hours straight and i think 90 percent of america (laughs) would have stayed up and watched it um and they could do they could do a hundred more episodes and everybody would watch yeah you wouldn't get tired of seeing and hearing those guys talk well and i just you know, the thing that kind of stuck out to me is, I mean, obviously I didn't grow up in that era, so, you know, I didn't see Jordan play, but I just, you don't really have that, like, superstar status like he had today. Because, like, you know, LeBron's a superstar, and LeBron has all the media attention, you know. Anything he posts on social media is getting republished on ESPN, Bleacher Report, and all that. But, like, just seeing some of those images of Jordan with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of media reporters lines that are you know five six deep you know gathered around him and and I don't want to say he wouldn't have made it in like the social media area but I think Jordan would have hated playing today because you know that kind of got to him and if it's Jordan playing the way he was and being the way he was in the 90s I think he would have absolutely hated playing today that was a perfect era for him but even in that era I mean he, he talked about how just the media got to him he just got to that burnout factor with the media and being you know Michael Jeffrey Jordan and being the most famous guy in the world that you know I mean and they talked about on the road trips where like he was in his hotel he couldn't leave his hotel and when he got to the arena at the United Center he was hanging out with his security guards in the back because he couldn't he couldn't go anywhere without being asked for an autograph or a picture or whatever and so I don't guess I'd really realize the star power and just how big of a deal he was you know when he was still playing i mean and let's not let's call it like it is he kept a top 20 player of all time off the dream team and Isaiah Thomas. and yeah and i know what he said in the documentary let's just be real It, it was if if michael wanted him on there he'd been on there but michael didn't you know isaiah yeah he may have some beef with larry and and magic and those guys but they didn't have the the power to keep him off because he was so isaiah was legit isaiah's the only only guy in the nba to beat magic in his prime bird in his prime and jordan in his prime and and he doesn't get the credit because of his beef with jordan i mean if he does has no beef with jordan we may be saying isaiah thomas is the greatest point guard of all time you know, well, if he just doesn't walk off the floor, that was that was the that was the turning point in his career, walking off the floor. And and like he said, he wasn't the first first people to do that. Yeah. I, I think he talked about how the Celtics did it to them, but he it, it was such a big deal because he did it to Michael. Yeah. You know, and as as at that time, that shows you how big Michael was, and that was early in his career. 
And that just shows you the impact Michael Jordan had, not only on sport, but in our world. Yeah, and it's – I just – we don't really have anybody like that right now. Like, LeBron is LeBron is huge, and, you know, obviously I'm a big LeBron guy, but, you know, even I can admit that LeBron doesn't have that just power. I mean, obviously LeBron has power. I mean, he definitely does because he's influenced the NBA in decisions and he's influenced, you know, uh, a lot of things over the course of the last two weeks uh, with, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and social injustice, but he, j- he still doesn't have the power that, Michael Jordan has. I don't know if there there will ever be another athlete that kind of has the power that he had. And, and maybe the only one that's come close in our lifetime has been Tiger Woods. Yeah. And, but when he went through his, you know, uh, divorce and, and all that stuff, he that went out the window for him. For him you yeah. Know? Now, he's still very powerful, but you don't, you don't see Tiger Woods on the news every day, you know, where be, before all that he was. Like every move he made – was huge now we're just hoping if you're a golf fan that he can come back and be competitive you know and get back to that to winning you know because that's when golf was at its best and but you're right I mean Tiger like LeBron doesn't have have that and that's not a knock on LeBron being number two at something and yeah. of all time is not a bad thing you know but um you know, just just nobody's going to compare to Michael. I mean, he's got his own brand. You know, it that makes more money than 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 he ever thought it would would. You know, um, how would you like to be in like Adidas and Converse and and not you know that you had him, you know, and you just didn't fork the money over, yeah. you know, for it. But then another question, maybe for another day, is. Does Adidas and Converse are they were they cutting edge? Did they have the people to take the brand like Nike yeah. did and and take it to the next level? We'll never know. But um, Nike, that if there's ever one move that you can make that made or break a company, that was it. And they they had the foresight to see it and get it done and look where they're at now. And so so that went on, and you know that was a good, you know, just five Sunday nights in a row. It was just good to sit down and. Forget about anything else that was going on from 7 to 9, uh, our time. You just got to sit down, or 8 to 10, whatever it was. Uh, you just got to sit down and watch that. And so, you know, kind of when that went off, we started really getting into the conversation of let's get sports back, you know. Uh, that's really when all the conversations started heating up uh, of a restart after the coronavirus. And we kind of talked about the NBA and how they're on the ball and – Really, the only thing we don't agree with is kind of the start time because they could have pushed it up earlier. You know, they came out today and said it was going to be July 30th instead of July 31st, which, you know, is not a huge deal. But um, one league that's kind of dropped the ball is the MLB. Um, And we were kind of talking about it, you know, before we started is that they could have gained so many fans uh, during this if they would have just came back. Because, I mean, they were in prime position to be the first sports league back because, I mean – Unlike the NBA, who has to figure out a whole playoff situation and has to figure out how do we want to do the eight seed and who and how can we do this in the bubble and how many teams can we invite? Like the MLB knew what they were doing. It was going to be a regular season. Now we don't know the games, but we're starting out, and the first game we play will be regular season game one. And you would think under that scenario, it would be easier for them to come back than the NBA and the NHL, but. Uh, Man, I just think – I think at this point we're kind of on a road where uh, 
Rob Manford next week is going to say, all right, we're having a 45-game 40 game season because you can't come to an agreement. And then, you know, in the next collective bargaining agreement in 2023 or 2024, we're going to have a strike from the players. I, I mean, I think there's no doubt that's the – it seems to be the road we're headed down. They, yeah. They've really dropped the ball. I mean, they, they could have had the whole world at their hands and, and brought – people back to quote unquote America's pastime you right. know that um but it's getting to be where you you don't have those where where your grandpa didn't grow up listening to the Cardinals on the radio you know it, it's and so they're losing that part of their fan base and they're not doing anything to get the younger generation to their games it, it, I mean I, myself I don't it's hard for me to sit down and watch a full baseball game anymore but if it's the only thing on, I'm going to be watching it, you right. know. But they're going to end up starting after, you know, golf's getting started up this weekend. You get, we know when the NBA is going to be started up. And we know that there's going to be NBA coverage of practices that we're going to look forward to every night on SportsCenter. Um, MLS has come out and set their, you know, tournament, yeah. you know. And if, if you just want sports, you're going to watch the MLS. I found myself watching the German Soccer League the other morning, you know, <laughs> uh, just because it was, it was a competition, you know. Uh, I watched Cornhole, and Major League Baseball had it at their fingertips and just absolutely dropped the ball on it. And um, and I don't blame the players on it. I, I get it, you know. They, they're – of all the leagues, I think the Major League Baseball owners are – the probably the most selfish, you know, yeah. and um, I mean, crap, they get 162 games of 30,000 plus people, you know, I mean, they're making a ton of money and um, it, it's sad that it, that's what's keeping this from going on. You know, the the game that, uh, did you grow up playing baseball? Son? I didn't. No. didn't. What would you say the percentage of young kids in the South play baseball? 75, 80? Yeah. If not I mean, more? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's summer baseball. It's just yeah. like, a deal that every everybody did. Yeah, and and so they had a chance to get the that young fan base back, and they and they're not. And it's going to go back to the NBA, and then football is going to start up, and baseball is eventually going to start probably. Yeah. But it's going to be at a time when the NBA playoffs are going to be going on, and then football's fixing to start. And I'm not going to watch a baseball game. Yeah. Well, I mean. Because at this point, they were talking like July 13, 15 range, somewhere along there. If, uh, you know, it came to a point where Rob Manford next week had to just say, all right, we're doing a 45-game season and this is how we're going to do it. Uh, But, I mean, you run into that point where there's going to be some golf majors and some big golf tournaments. There's going to be still UFC fights that are big pay-per-view getters every week. You, You know, you start at July 13, you know, through 15 range, you have two weeks before the NBA comes back. Uh, MLS is going on. Then you have football, and it runs in – you know, it kind of gets into this thing where there's going to be a lot of sports that outweigh you on the coverage, especially if – because this is my thing. Like, I'm not going to get interested in a 45-game season because the stats are just going to be so inflated. There's going to be a 400 hitter. There's probably going to be somebody with an ERA, a starting pitcher with an ERA below one. And so – all of these stats are going to be inflated to the point where I'm not particularly interested in it. No, absolutely. And I don't have it in front of me, but I could go back and research where there's probably been no telling how many World Series champions that after 45 games of their season, yeah, they may not even been in the playoffs. Look at the Nationals last year. Yeah. They were dead last after like 50 games. And, and so, um, I yeah, I mean, you could see a team that's – 
probably would end up being last if they played a full season that's going to make the playoffs and might make a run because they get hot. Yeah. And and I get that getting hot is part of it, but um, I don't know. It just seems like they've really dropped the ball, you know. And and I'm telling you, it, it's it's not looking – their future's not looking good either uh, because if they can't figure stuff out, like, like you said here in, in 23 or 24, there's going to be another strike. And then I, I don't know if they, they can survive another strike. Yeah. You know, I, I think – uh, you're probably too young to remember the 94 strike, but uh, I remember that. I, I, I'm an Atlanta Braves fan, and that was right in the middle of our 15 straight division titles. And, uh, you know, I don't know that it's really truly survived or come back fully yeah. from that. And um, for people that live through that, if we go through another one, Done with it. Yeah, it's over. You know, I, right now I watch college baseball over watching MLB anyway, you know, and, um, so it, it's definitely uh, it's they, they definitely screwed the pooch on this one. Well, I mean, you put it put it in these terms: we play in the five A conference in basketball. We play sixteen conference games. Is that right? Sixteen conference games. Yep. If 14, you take fourteen or fourteen conference games, so fourteen conference games. MLB is proposing they're going to play twenty three, twenty four percent of their games. If we did that on our level, we would play three conference games, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's pretty much what it is. I mean, the stats are going to be so inflated, and the interest is going to be so low. I mean, to me, it has to be above seventy, seventy-five games for there to generate enough interest. I agree, and they're getting to a point to where there's just no way they can do that because that would put their season in late November, December, and yeah. you just can't do that on an outdoor sport. Uh, we did have the uh, MLB draft last night, which we can touch on a little bit. Uh, you know, from a from a state perspective in Arkansas, it was kind of crazy because of who the Baltimore Orioles took with their second pick last night. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. Uh, and I, and I say that I I can't say that I was totally surprised because earlier in the day I had a had a friend that's the the head coach of the East End Boys down in Little Rock. And we're all big Razorback fans, and he he sent us in a group text like, "Hey, it looks like Heston's you know might go seven or eight. He goes, but I've read where the Orioles really like him and may take him at two uh, because they can sign him, you know. And and we were just like, ah, you know, like we we love Heston Kerstad and we love our Razorbacks, but we we're like, eh, he, is he the second best player in the draft? Probably not. And sure enough, watching the draft, you know, I was thinking I was going to watch the first thirty minutes or so just to see where he goes. Yeah. And, Heck, within 10 minutes, I knew where he was at, you know. And uh, what an awesome accomplishment for him and the program. Um, you know, if we can we can get into Razorback Athletics at a different time and and how the, the 2010s weren't very good to it. But uh, Dave Van Horn is – he's been the constant, you know, um, for, for Razorback Athletics. And, again, he just proves that – as as Razorback fans call him the goat, you know yeah. he just just every year he just turns out a first round draft pick, a team that's got a chance to go to the College World Series, and um, and he's really gen uh, generated a lot of interest in the state, and you know they may be if they're not the best college baseball program out there, they're in the top three, yeah, you know, and so really cool to see that, like you said, from a state perspective, um, you know it looks like. Casey Martin's going to get picked tonight at some point. Um, a local kid, Gavin Stone, uh, we were talking today, um, there's a chance that he got drafted, you know. And um, 
supposedly that if he doesn't, there's a rumor that he might be headed elsewhere to play his, you know, finish his college baseball career up. Um, there's a couple high school kids in the state that uh, that may hear their name called tonight. So, um, you know, and it, it's been effective five rounds. I mean, you know, that that's a draft that's, what is it, 40 rounds usually or, or pretty close. Yeah. And it's crazy because um, Johnny Menzel got drafted yeah. a few years ago because that's how long it went. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, there's there's been – there's been numerous of those kinds of, you know, football players that are good athletes get drafted in the yeah. 38th round, you know, just to see maybe. But, um, no, really neat to see that. You know, not not that it's, you know, big. If it wasn't Heston Kerstead going number two, we probably don't even talk about it. But, yeah. Um, uh, really neat for him. Congrats to him and and, can, and good luck. And and I don't, I don't know when he's going to get his – professional career started but yeah that's that's the crazy thing about it because there's gonna be no minor league yeah. baseball this summer and so it's it's kind of crazy it's kind of up in limbs but you know we we're talking about the states and um you know uh i guess we're kind of on the two different ends because you're a big arkansas guy and obviously i'm a big a-state guy um and i mean up until this year i've never really been into arkansas athletics but now you know Alana's going there from Nettleton, so obviously, and I like Coach Neighbors, so obviously I'm going to follow their women's basketball team. And I like Musselman, so I'm going to follow their men's team. But, um, you know, you're a big Arkansas guy. I'm a big A-State guy. And one thing that comes up every single summer in the state of Arkansas on Sports Talk Radio when, you know, there's just nothing going on is the matchup, Arkansas and A-State. And, um, you know, I think partially because of COVID and partially because everybody wants to have regionalized matchups that don't require require you to fly places, um, those two are finally going to meet up. Um, from an Arkansas perspective, obviously it's not going to be in football, and I really don't think it's going to be a men's basketball because RPI is such a huge thing in that. But from an Arkansas perspective, we already know women's basketball, baseball are going to meet up. You would assume like track and field, golf, and other Olympic sports like that meet up. Um, what are your thoughts on it? You know, with I, I was I could have really cared less before. It makes total sense now. Yeah. You know, um, and I think it's a it's a smart move by Hunter Yurchek. You know. Um, He's paid a lot of money to be on the cutting edge of things, and, and I think it. He looks like a. He looks like the hero, you know. Yep. Um, even though they're not playing football yet, I can see that happening within the next five to ten years, you know, because it just makes sense. It it saves money, you know, um, and what it does, and where where he looks really smart is it looks like he's helping the other in-state schools out, and he is, but. It just makes sense from a scheduling standpoint that you can get three to four games a year out of scheduling the in-state schools. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if we're being totally honest, um, is there a chance that, you know, a, an A-State, a Little Rock, a UCA could upset Arkansas in some sport? Absolutely. There's a chance. There's always a chance. Um but for the most part, Arkansas is going to win ninety-eight to ninety-nine percent of all those matchups. Um, what's made the debate even hotter in the last decade is the football, um, and I, there's part of me that wishes we would have been playing because I still believe that a bad SEC team is still the best team in the Sun Belt. 
you know. Yeah. Um, now, not saying that A State wouldn't have beat us. I mean, we we lost to UL Monroe. We've lost to in North Texas. North Texas. <laughs> We've lost to San Jose State. You know, but um, but I think you know, I think it's good those the the women's basketball game from from I've got it from a very good source close to the Arkansas program that. Um, it's going to be a four-year deal starting next year. First game is going to be in yep. Jonesboro, so Ilana gets to come back um, as a sophomore and senior and play at Arkansas State. Uh, yep. uh, allegedly, uh, hopefully that's the case. You know, that'll be really cool for her and her family. Um, you know that the the First National Bank Arena is going to be. I don't know if it'll be sold out, but it's going to be close. Be close. I mean, and Bub Walton's probably going to be yeah. sold out for that too. Yeah. Um, or close. I, I wish men's basketball w- w- would play just because, you know, I think it's good for all the programs involved. You know, um, this year Little Rock played Arkansas women's basketball and then they played in the exhibition in men's and it went how you thought it would, but it was still cool. They still had great crowds yeah. for, for an exhibition game in a – a non-conference women's game in Little Rock Verizon Arena that's 20,000 seats and it didn't look – it looked, you know, pretty full, you know, for for a women's game right before Christmas is that's a big deal. And um, I think it's great for the state. I think it – you know, it it, it helps – it help, I think it helps your, your ASUs and your Little Rocks in recruiting the – hey, everybody – I would say 95% of people in Arkansas grow up want to play for the Razorbacks if they play sports, right. you know. But let's be real, not 95% can go do that, you know. Uh, one, they can't take that many people, too. That's just that's just the percentages. But to know that you get a chance to go play in Fayetteville or play the Razorbacks, that still means something to people. And, and so it's going to be good. I, I'm looking forward to it. And so, um, And I know from the A-State perspective, you, you can give more on that. I'm sure it's – Y'all are chomping at the bit for it. Well, I mean, to a degree, yes. Um, I I empathize with Arkansas in football, and here's why. Because, obviously, I'm an Ole Miss fan, and we played the Ole Miss-Memphis series for, you know, played them four times over the last six years, seven years, whatever. I hate that series. I hate that series. I hate that series because you're supposed to win, and if, and and if then you when, don't, yeah, and then if you don't, it's so Memphis has beat us twice, and now like last year, it was all Ole Miss's little brother. I'm like Ole Miss is still in the SEC, and you're still in the AAC. Yeah. So I mean, I empathize with that, and so because of that, I have backed off of the stance of let's play Arkansas in football because I just don't think it makes sense for them because the you know the hit they would take if they lost to A State. I've been there, I get it, and it kind of sucks. But in other sports, I think it does make a whole lot of sense. Like, why are we? Why have we not been playing in women's basketball every single year? Why is that not a thing? Why are we not playing in baseball every single year? Because Van Horn has talked about it for 10, 15 years, about how hard it is to schedule midweek games. Why is why are A-State and Arkansas not meeting in Fayetteville or Little Rock every single year in well, baseball? even – you know, I, I – if you went back and looked at A State baseball's attendance numbers, probably their highest attended ga- attendance games are when Ole Miss comes in during yeah. the, the midweek. Or t- yeah. I think Tennessee has come over. You know, yeah. Why not? Uh, Van Horn's not scared of anybody, so come over and play. You know, yeah. like that place would be packed out. You know, and it would be 
majority Arkansas fans, you know, be, the, for us that, that can't go over every weekend and watch the series at Bomb Stadium, right. you know. Um, but that just helps ASU as well. Um, I agree with you. Like, why not? Let's get it. Let's get it rolling. You know. Yeah, because I just think in those. Because I mean, yeah, will it make news if Arkansas State beats Arkansas women's basketball? Hundred percent, it will. But Arkansas is not going to take the hit they would take if they got beaten football. Um, now, granted, I don't think that's going to happen over the course of the next four, five, six, ten years. However long Coach Neighbors is there, I don't think that's going to happen. But. I mean, when you start to play in those Olympic sports and you are in Olympic sports or in non-football sports, I think it starts to make more sense, especially with all the COVID stuff and everything's going to be regional now and you're looking for all these regional matchups. It makes a whole lot more sense. Oh, I mean, no doubt. And uh, we'll, uh, it'll happen and it'll be really cool to see. And, um, you know, and, and like you said, going to the women's basketball thing, um, neighbors will play anybody anywhere he i mean he came out and said it when the sec big 12 challenge you know nobody wanted to play yeah. baylor and it was supposed to be arkansas's year off and he said right, we'll go play him you know and they're playing and, him next year and so um he's not gonna if if arkansas state beats arkansas it's not gonna be because arkansas is not ready yeah. or is gonna take arkansas state lightly it's, and he'll be the first to admit it that they didn't have him ready to play you know it to him it's another game and uh, they're going to prepare just like they would for Baylor, you know. And so it's uh, it's going to be really fun. I, I can't wait to see that. It'll be – especially the first one with Ilana coming back home. Yep. And uh, there's going to be a, a huge, you know, cheering section for her. And um, look, definitely looking forward to that. You know, we're on the topic of basketball. And, you know, that was some big – I don't guess it's technically broke yet. Uh, you know, Coach Neighbors tweeted yesterday, I think, that he was going to play all four schools – um, extending that Little Rock series next year and then playing the other three uh, the year after in 2022 or 2021, whatever it is. Um, but one thing we did find out this week uh, at a level lower in high school uh, is the talk about the shot clock. And so the AAA is going to put that as a proposal where, you know, you can vote on it for the uh, – to be implemented in 2022-23. Um, obviously, you know – we we at Nettleton are no stranger to playing in these shot clock tournaments because uh, I think you guys have played in the last three years that they've been around. Uh, most recently this year at the Grade Eight Classic. Um, and my thoughts on it were this: is that you know I watched all three of your games, y'all's games at the Grade Eight, and we stayed and probably watched four more total, just either you know scouting, spectating, whatever. I remember twice, and they were both in our games, and they were both. Uh, opponents where the shot clock came into effect where we have the shot clock violation and so I'm all for it I don't know the logistics of it especially at the lower schools but I'm all for it what are your thoughts on it I love it um, you know I think at your five and six a levels you're not going to see it really affect I, th I think yeah. you there's obviously some strategy involved in it, and you're going to have to, as a coaching staff, figure out how you can take advantage of it. Um, you know, for us offensively, you know, we've had kids that if as soon as they touch it, they're going to shoot it. And so if, if that's one second into the possession or, or ten. Um, but I think it's good for the game. I think it's – 
you know, I, I do understand a little bit the smaller schools, their their complaints behind right. it. Um, as far as being a money issue of installing it, um, finding workers that understand the rules. Um, I think that's going to be the biggest hurdle is – the referee stopping the game to reset the shot clock. You know, that's going to get annoying. It really is. And um, that may have an impact on more on the game in some games than the shot clock, yeah. you know. And um, that can be a momentum stopper. Uh, you know, I, I listened to Coach Gross at, at Brooklyn on the radio yesterday, and, and he's not against it. You know, he said if he had a vote that he would vote no, but he's not going to go out there and, and try to get people to vote no on it. Right. And he felt like it – affected his group but I know coach Gross is one of the best coaches out there and he's going to find a way and get his kids believing and it's going to help them you know and um I don't know we actually had a discussion before practice this morning with coach Smith and coach Rainwater and myself and um I think you give it five years and you may have some people saying we need to get rid of it again yeah. you know um but what it does do is for some of these schools that are that don't have the luxury of having talent, that eat, and they play each other and they sit in a two-three zone and they make forty passes before a shot, well, you can't do that anymore. So, hopefully, the it, it makes the game those games more exciting for everybody. I think in your higher levels, I think some of your coaches are going to try to outthink themselves and try to do too much with it, and it's going to affect their teams. Um, you know, it's just gonna it's gonna be really neat to see how everybody handles it. I can't wait to see the six A this year. You know that yeah. they voted to go ahead and start it for this year, and and talk to some of those coaches and see how it affected them. You know, and what they did different. What did they have to work on more? Because you now you you have to work on all right ten seconds on the shot clock. You got to get you know you got to work on your bench counting that down. Um, you got to have a couple sets in late to. That, that you want to run to get you a quick shot. It also changes your defensive strategy. You know, now you're going to see people press more, not to steal the ball, but to slow it down, slow down, slow down. And by the time you get in the half court, shot clock's down to 25. Yep. And and they're just setting a play up. And by the time they start running the play, it's 15. And, you know, that, that's going to change things. So, But I think it's I think it's a good thing for our state. I do too. And I just – and I get the strategy behind holding the ball. But – as someone who broadcasts games, I absolutely hate it because, you know, you get in and, – and we've done it here, and it's a great strategy. You know, if if you're outmanned and you get up in a game and you can hold the ball to prevent the other team from scoring, I mean, that's a good strategy. And so I get why people do that, but at the same time, I hate it. It makes for bad basketball, and I think, you know – and I get the argument some people are going to make is that, you know, it takes the undermanned team out of it. Sure, probably. But what sport is the what sport does the underhanded team go in with an advantage in anyways, you know? Yeah, they're, they're none. You know, it, it just – usually the team with the most talent will win. Yes, you have upsets, but, um, yeah, I, I can't wait. Um, I think to your casual fan – who has no ties to to a school? They just want to go see basketball. I think it gets more butts in the stands, which yeah. is a good thing. You know, um, it, it's going to sell tickets, and it's going to be more entertaining, and it's going to be more bearable to watch. You know, at, at some of these levels, that uh, let's just face it, that they're playing bad basketball, 
and this is not all, this isn't going to make all those schools all of a sudden good, but it's yeah. just you're going to have to do something, and so it's just going to put that out there of maybe maybe those kids work a little harder because they're going to have the opportunity to maybe score more, you know, and hopefully it just it just does help in creating better skill in our players and and just giving the giving our fans a better game. And uh, I want to touch on one more thing before we get into our last topic is that, you know, we kind of talked about sports coming back and quickly we can touch on this is that, uh, you know, uh, the PGA Tour is coming back this weekend. They're already underway in uh, Fort Worth at the Charles Schwab Challenge as we're taping this on this Thursday. Um, Obviously, I'm a huge golf guy, so I'm excited about this. But, you know, for someone like you, and I'm probably a casual golf observer at best, um, you know, just to see kind of live sports back, just to see a sports league have a plan, this is how we're going to do it. Uh, how good does that make you feel about the rest of sports leagues coming back and us getting to a point where we have sports back in America again? Oh, it's all—it's a great feeling. Um, just to have, have something, one to watch, you know, yeah. some competition, and just something else to talk about. You know, it, it's – you know, sports-wise, it's getting – you can only talk about the NBA coming back so much, yeah. you know. Like you can only play. <laughs> uh, there's there's players concerned that only that five minutes on Sports Center is enough, you know. And and now, you know, and, and golf's golf has taken it by the horns, being the first one to really come back. And people are going to talk about golf for at least on Wednesdays through Sunday, right. Monday, even you know, talk about the champion and get a day off or so and then it's golf again for a little bit until the NBA comes back and and hopefully that helps you know their viewership and but it's just good it it, it looks like you know we've got that back the NBA's coming back MLS you know and, you know soccer's a sport you either love or hate but it's something you know um and then you know after once once the NBA starts back you're talking about college football fall camp opening up NFL training camps and and then we're in football season, you yeah. know, and um, it, it looks like football is going to happen, you know, and now whether capacity, whatever, that's another debate, another talk, but football is going to happen. And um, it's close, you know, and it's really exciting to see that. You can kind of see that light at the end of the tunnel. And that's something you haven't been able to see, you know, a lot the past few months. You know, you can finally see that. Okay, everything's going to start to come back. Maybe there's not, maybe there's no fans. Maybe there's only fifty percent capacity or seventy-five, whatever it is. But you know, at least at some point, some form or fashion, we're going to have sports return um, in the in the coming future, which is always nice. Yep, and and the capacity thing's funny because you know, especially college football crowds were starting to dwindle, right? Even at your yeah. bigger games, but. Now everybody's going to want that ticket, and, and it's going to help that, and and that's going to be really neat to see that boom again, whenever we get quote unquote back to normalcy. Um, so, no exciting times, like you said, light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, hopefully, you know, praying that nothing really bad happens. You know, we don't have a have a fatality from coming back. You know, of an athlete or something like that that, that happens to get the COVID, but. Um, I don't know. You you start you, high schools are practicing, college athletes are back on campus. There looks to be a plan in most of the major sports moving forward. You can see it. It's getting you know day by day. It's getting closer and closer. It's really neat. 
And one thing we want to touch on, the last thing we wanted to touch on before we got out of here is that obviously, you know, there's a lot of a lot of things going on in America right now. Um, you know, uh, the George Floyd killing two or three weeks ago, however long that's been, uh, kind of sparked, you know, we've had the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, but it kind of re-energized that and gave it more life, um, you know, when you know, there's been so many conversations and well you know, well warranted conversations about, you know, systematic racism and police brutality and, you know, we've seen these protests, uh, most of which have been peaceful, which has been nice. Um but uh, you know, you and I uh, were what we do, there's a lot of, you know, black athletes involved. You know, you're coaching I'm, you know, doing play-by-play, and so, you know, I think we're around them, we're around the diversity, and I don't think, I I mean, I I don't want to speak for you, but, like, when I see somebody, I don't see, like, race, and I know that sounds stereotypical, whatever, but, like, I just, you know, I just don't, but uh, obviously there's been a lot of important conversations had over the last few weeks. Um, There's going to continue to be those conversations. Um, as coaches, as you're getting your team back and, you know, through Zoom, whatever, what type of conversations have you had uh, with your teams about, you know, dealing with racial injustices throughout the world? You know, that's um, – I don't know that we, we – we really just haven't sat down and had that conversation yet. Yeah. Um, but because we do – we feel like we do already do a good job of our kids know that we care about them and love them. And it doesn't matter what race, what background they come from, um, what their ACT score is, how good they are at basketball. You know, uh, we love our top kid just as much as our kid that doesn't get to play, you know? And, and, uh, I I think our parents know that now granted this, this puts that puts it to the test, you know, and we're going to, we're going to continue to do a good job of loving our kids um, and giving them opportunities to excel on and off the court. Um, I think that's one thing, the, the one of the most underrated things about what Coach Smith has built here is he's had very successful kids off the court as much as he's had on the court. And, and the majority of them are black female athletes that go and do great things in their occupations off the court, you know, because basketball ends, you know, right. ba- basketball ends really soon for most kids in high school. You know, as soon as that last game as a senior, for 90% of kids it, here, at least at Nettleton, it seems like it's over, you know, and um, he cares just as much about those. And, and not only him, but our staff, you know, um, our athletic department, Coach Rainwater with great leadership. Uh, and, um, you know, we, we've we've addressed it a little bit, I'm sure, once. We still haven't had all our kids together because right. we've been coming in in two groups. Um, you know, coaches said once we get everybody together, we'll have that conversation, you know. And, um, and, and it's going to be about how can we make a difference, you know. And I think sports is the best way to do that, you know, because for as much um, – divide as there is in this sports unites everybody Mm -hmm. you know and um we have to use that platform we don't have a choice you know we're not doing our job if we don't and 
Um, I, and that's every coach out there. That, that's even if you coach at a school that's all white kids. You, you're, you need to educate them on what's going on, you know. And, uh, and you know, the, the, the Black Lives Matter movement is a big deal. You know, it, it, it that stuff, that, the stuff that they are talking about, you know, when it really hit me was when uh, Coach Lavelle Mo- uh, Morton at UNC uh, Central did a radio interview and talked about how once a week with his players, and he's at HBCU. Right. Okay. With his players, they work on – if they get pulled over that like they bring four chairs out like they've got a driver a passenger and two people in the back and i'm like i've never had to worry about that you know now don't get me wrong i think all of us when we get a cop behind us slow down and do the speed limit you know make sure hopefully our blinkers work right. brakes work and all that like there's but we're not worried about if we get pulled over we're fixing to get drug out of our car as yeah. a white person. my worry is oh crap i'm getting another speeding ticket not oh crap i'm next right um, and, and that's something that you and me, we will probably never have to worry, you know, have yeah. that worry. And that's a very r- real worry. And we need to, there has to be some kind of change. And, and I, and I respect the athletes like LeBron and you know, I've seen Russell Westbrook and, and even some of the college athletes that have gone out and done peaceful protests and that continue to try and educate and find ways to educate everybody on this situation because it is it's because it's like you said we deal with it in our everyday life you know because we're around those kids you know we're around i don't know exactly what our our ratio is but i mean our basketball team is has more black kids on it than it does anything else you know and and so um Again, that's why I say we haven't like we've always treated our kids, no matter what they are, really well, you know. And they knew that we loved them, but now, but the conversation has got to be had, you know, because we're at a, we're at that point in our country where if if something's not done, it's not going to be good, and um, you know, and I think that message is getting across, and hopefully, and a part of our job is not here in two weeks. I hope it dies down. No, yeah. we need to continue to educate, and and that's the biggest thing. Well, and I just I think it's important to continue to have that conversation because like eventually, you know, the protest and uh and the riots that are coming from most most of which are coming from non-protesters, but you know the protests themselves are going to die down at some point, and you know they're going to stop, but the conversation doesn't need to stop when those stop you know there has to be some sort of reform there has to be you know measures put in place and it's just um you know it, it's crazy because i was listening um i guess last week to the chris vernon show in memphis and he had this really good bit about how he was talking to you know his kid is like nine years old and uh, obviously he's white uh, and so he was having this conversation with him about what's going on in the world and his best friend is a black kid. And, you know, the kid asked his dad, he's like, well, people look at me differently because of my skin color. And his dad said, yes. And so he's like, at that point, I realized I'm not having the same conversation with my kid he's having with his. And, like, it, it gets to a point where, like, you shouldn't have to be tre- – you shouldn't be treated different or feel like you're going to be treated different based off, you know, the color of your skin, which is kind of a – it's kind of a crazy concept, you know. You'd be treated different based off the color of your skin. 
it, it is and and for us it's really crazy because even though we are a different skin color like we said we deal with it on a day-to-day basis but it's out there i mean it's yeah. and, and and then we talked earlier when we were talking about michael jordan and making it in today's social media world the, that's the good thing about social media is even though there may not be as many quote-unquote racist out there they're being brought to light right which is a good thing you know it that helps extend the conversation you know where in the past you know some of the actions of some of these people nobody would they they'd say whatever they say on the sidewalk and nobody had their phone out recording right. you know and so you never heard it just in that small maybe community so um yeah you know hopefully you know it's it's our job to educate ourselves you know and then so we can educate others um, and, and start making a difference, you know, and, and hopefully we can, you know, get on the right path. You know, obviously it's not going to be changing a day, you right. know, but but there's steps. You can take a step forward. You know, we we tell our kids, even if you only get point zero one percent better every day, you got better. And that's the goal. And it's the same thing with this is take step, to, even if it's a baby step, you know, every day to – to trying to find a solution for this yeah and i'm you know i'm kind of with you i think sports is the great equalizer or you know the great uniter however you want to phrase it just because you know all these different people come together of all these different races and you know nationalities male female whatever and it just for two three hours whatever you're at however long it lasts it just doesn't matter it doesn't matter that you know, the person sitting next to you is a different skin color. You know, it doesn't matter. We're all watching the same thing. We're all root, rooting for the same team or rooting for the same player or whatever. And so I think it is the great equalizer, but also, you know, the conversations have to be had. You know, I think you try and run from those uncomfortable moments and those uncomfortable conversations in everyday life, which, you know, they aren't fun to have. So I get running from it. Um, but at some point, it gets to a point where you can't run from it anymore. You have to have the conversation. It has to be had. And, you know, there has to be reform and there has to be change throughout the United States. I don't think any of us wished for this COVID to happen. Yeah. I, I, no, nobody I know wished for it. But um, it may have been one of the best things to happen because if we weren't in a quarantine, I don't know that if we're having – the conversation of yeah. Black Lives Matter, like we are, because it's just the perfect storm. Yeah, I mean, because most of us would, you know, you'd be going back to your everyday job. Um, you couldn't, you wouldn't be sitting at home thinking about it constantly, because that's all you see in a good, and it's a good thing. It's, it's it needed to happen, and um, like I said, hopefully we can we can take steps in the right direction and and get it to where in our lifetime we. I don't know that we'll, racism will ever end um, because there's always hate for, yep. for something. And it, and But the systematic racism, the, the obvious police, you know, brutality and, and that stuff, that need, there needs to be steps taken. And um, like I said, hopefully in our lifetime we can, we can see a huge difference in that being made. No doubt. Coach, uh, it was fun. Glad we got the first one out of the way. Hopefully uh, next week we can get some stuff worked out here with the soundboard and we can uh, get Coach Neighbors on because uh, I know he's he said he would be happy to be the first guest. So hopefully we can get him on and, you know, get some more uh, interviews as we, 
go along the rest of the summer and whatnot. Yep, can't wait, and it's been fun, and look forward to where we can take this. Coach, thanks for the time. For Caleb Livingston, I'm Kate Carlton. We'll talk to you guys next week.